This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. You are listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends. Activist theology is built on the power of story, and we believe story can change the world. We also know that being in community with one another on this journey will help to build a movement committed to collective liberation and a more loving world. We have a commitment to the ethics and politics of Encajunto, or togetherness. And we are together in this work with you. Hi, folks. This is Dr. Robin. And this is Reverend Anna Galladay. And we are your hosts for the Activist Theology Podcast. It's time for all of us to get our hands dirty. Pastor. Dr. Robin. It is March 1st. It is Fat Tuesday. It is. It is, it is. Pancake Day. It, it is, is Shrove Tuesday. It is. Happy Mardi Gras season. Today's I the day. I love this season so much. Yeah. It's 68 degrees. No, 70 now in Nashville. What is it in Chattanooga? It is. It's only 69 here. You're warmer than us. Yeah. And I mentioned that because our weather has been very crazy. Not not to use a pathologizing term, but it's been disruptive. It has. To a lot of people. It rained like 10 days straight in Nashville. And yes. flooded out our neighbors on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it would snow- have a snow flurry. I hear Ruthie in the background, but that's okay. We all are welcome on this podcast. So the weather has been very disruptive. And now we have a really beautiful day. I wore my um, flip-flops for the first time today. So I'm very excited. That's amazing. Yeah. And... Um, there's lots happening, and we're going to get into some of that. But I first, I want to know how you are. How's it going? We missed last week because I was not feeling well, and we try to practice self-care at the Activist Theology Project. So let me know how you're doing and what's going on. Well, I had a very amazing weekend. Oh. My partner celebrated 50 trips around the sun last month. Yes. And um, we hosted, I hosted a co-party with another dear friend of mine who, who celebrated 60 trips around the sun. So yep. her husband and myself threw a party for the two birthday humans yep. and we had it at this little local brew pub here, just right down the street from our house and had amazing Mexican food and cupcakes by my new favorite baker here in Chattanooga, uh, Cake Mommies. She is a Black-owned and creative uh, baker, and she's amazing, and I'm not buying anything from anyone other than her now Mm. for here on out. What all does she do? 
Oh, she did cupcakes for us, but yeah. we had five flavors. We did oh. a coconut and chocolate that tasted like a Mounds bar. Oh, wow. We did lemon. We did red velvet because that's um, Mike's favorite. Yeah. We did an almond cake with buttercream icing. Oh, yum. And then we did a chocolate cupcake with hazelnut icing. Oh. And every single one of them was just to die for. So, um, we, we just had a big old time. It was fun. It was exciting to see some friends. And, and we have, we have a very large group of friends that overlap. Yeah. And then we have friends that are kind of on our side of the family and friends that are on their side of the family. So it was just a really beautiful little get together. There were like 45 of us there and oh, it was cool. a big open room. So we were able to distance a little and um, it was, there's an indoor outdoor space and it was a lot of fun. And so that has been, that has been the highlight of my week. Um, I love throwing a party and, um, I love throwing a party even more for someone that I so yeah. deeply love. So, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry that we couldn't be there. Uh, Aaron was in class Friday, Saturday and Sunday, and I was yeah. responsible for the domestic labor. Yes. It's okay. We missed you, but I understand it's not always easy making your way up and down the road. Yeah. Um, and in general, I'm okay otherwise. I have shared with you I'm having some sleeping issues. Yeah. Um, I think that – I don't think. I know I am entering perimenopause, which uh, is just, you know, uh, a nice – it's, it's like a combination of a new surprise every morning for my body right. and another way that it's giving me the finger on a regular basis. And so right. I am, right. uh, I'm trying to navigate some of those changes. And right now sleeping is the thing that is um, problematic for me. So I'm exhausted a lot of the time, which is not normal for me, but otherwise I'm having a pretty good, pretty good uh, go at it. What about you? How are you doing? So I had some spaciousness last week. Um, well, in part because the the weather knocked out our Wi-Fi periodically. So I had to cancel class at Duke. And um, so I got some spaciousness back, but I have been dealing with some persistent nausea. And I don't know what that's about. I think it's related to stress and things catch up to me later than the immediate happening of the event. So as many of you know, I, Anna and I got our hands dirty literally and helped get my mother out of an abusive situation. And I think that the stress of that and carrying all of that finally caught up with me. And so over the past month, I've just been having persistent nausea, um, which means then that I don't eat regularly, you know, because I'm nauseous and I don't want to eat when I'm nauseous. So my body was just kind of destabilized for a bit, but I was able to um, kind of get back on an eating schedule this weekend and had a lot of spaciousness last week because of the rain and because I couldn't do everything because I didn't have Wi-Fi all the time. Um, and, and I'm doing better. I rested a lot this weekend and feel like I ate really well. We got Nicoletto's pasta on Friday 
which is a takeout only place in Nashville and their pasta is really good. And I had never eaten there and we ate on that on Friday and then we ate on that last night. And so, you know, it lasted a while. That's nice. I still have, I have so much Mexican food left over from this party. Really? We're going to literally, we, we, I have had chips and queso and salsa for every meal since Saturday. And I'm at the point now where I'm trying to get all creative on how I can make meals with all of this stuff that I have yeah. so that I don't feel like I'm just eating burritos every right. meal for, right. I made huevos rancheros yesterday morning. Oh, um, and so, yeah, it's been, it is fun. And I literally have, so <laughs> we, we got Mexican from this really amazing little like hole in the wall place here in Chattanooga. And they, my only requirement was like, I wanted queso. I yeah. am a cheese. It's, it's my thing. Yeah. And so Joe, Valerie's husband showed up with the Mexican and walked in and he was holding this five gallon oh bucket. God. And he's like, this is your queso. I was like, is it full? He said, it's like two thirds full of queso cheese. A five gallon bucket. A five gallon. We got like three gallons oh my God. of queso. And I probably have another, I mean, it, a lot of it was eaten because queso is a lot of people's things. Yeah. But yeah. there's probably a gallon of queso left here at my house that I've wow. like par- portioned into smaller size containers and have frozen some of them. And um, yeah, I, uh, I'm going to be eating on queso for a long time. Yeah. I love queso. Queso is good. Makes me so happy. Yes. Well, so. So. What are we talking about today? Uh, we are talking about a frustration that I am in the middle of, um, that many of you across the country are experiencing for maybe the first time in your lifetime. Um, and that is the topic of book banning. Yes. Um, you know, for, for some of us, some of the people that listen to this podcast who are older, um, you recall the days where books, that, that kind of season where we were, um, where the country was, you know, going through a, a real kind of high evangelical conservative um, rebirth of sorts. And mm-hmm. the, co- the conversation around banning books was on the table. Right. Um, some of you who listen to this podcast, uh, remember when Harry Potter was banned mm-hmm. from certain libraries, um, in the late 1990s, but this resurgence of just nonsense, um, here, this kind of authoritarian, impulse that that is happening around banning books lately is is really ridiculous and it's happening in a lot of states uh it's happening with vigor here in the state of tennessee um in in my hometown of chattanooga we have a committee that has been formed on our school board that is you know looking over a a lengthy list and just reading some of the transcripts from the meetings make my blood boil. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just this um, nonsensical impression of the arts that some people, some, I mean, they're all white people that right. these white people have here in, in the city of Chattanooga. Um, and I, I just want to, I, I want to talk about it. 
because mm-hmm. I'm because I'm pissed. Yeah. Well, I saw some news about this people at the state capitol and country music stars made an analogy yeah. about they're they're calling well this person who's John Rich from Big and Rich who's actually a bit fundamentalist and fascist and kind of scary. Yeah. Um John Rich said is calling teachers who share question you know what he considers questionable books. He's calling teachers predators and he's calling he's drawing the analogy what's the difference between a man in a van who drives up to um, what's the difference between a predator? He's a predator who drives up to a school at four o'clock and invites children to his van and a teacher who is putting these books in front of children. And do you know what that said? You may have seen this clip. He said, kids can run away from the van, but they can't run away from teachers. <laughs> now, th- this is really, this is propaganda speech. It is. It's ridiculous. And it's and, and it's th- this obsession that the that the right that the radical right has with what they perceive to be obscene materials in public schools is I mean, it, it is going to accelerate to the point where we don't recognize our school systems any longer if, right. if we can't um, if we can't find a way to, to move past this. I mean, the, the state of Tennessee has a bill, HB 1944, yep. um, that is looking to ban unspecified, not specific books, but unspecified obscene books. Right. And it's it's a slippery slope. It, it becomes the, the kind of thing that would allow for any kind of person who's seen sharing a, a book or a publication or an article for research with a child, it puts them in, in danger of, of, of being, you know, fired or, or put on leave um, and, and, or harmed because of the way that they are trying to teach our kids. Right. Um, you know, in um, in January, th- this started in January when the county that's right next to mine, Hamilton County is the county that Chattanooga is in, and McMinn County is right next door. And in um, January in McMinn County, their school board voted to remove um, a book about the that, – that was written by um, – Art Spiegelman uh, won a Pulitzer Prize in 1992 for telling the story about his Jewish parents who were living in 1940s Poland. And he interviews his dad about his experiences as a Holocaust survivor. Um, the book in it, the book has what McMinn County called inappropriate language, mm-hmm. and it has an illustration of a nude woman mm. in the book. 
and the book was banned by right. the school board. Um, it was being used in a curriculum, in a high school curriculum. And so mm-hmm. it was not something, not just something that, that a kid could check out from the, the library. Um, but this banning, I mean, it, it, it started a snowball effect with states looking at what they believe to be healthy with quotations right. around it um, and what they don't. And, and it's accelerated to a point that is unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, here in Chattanooga, we have a school board member who is, I, I mean, I'll, she's highly problematic. Um, her name is Rhonda Thurman mm. and she is, um, she has convened a committee here in Chattanooga to look at a list of books that she would like to be removed from libraries um, because she deems them to be obscene. Right. A colleague of mine wrote a really beautiful, this colleague has three children in the public school system, wrote a really beautiful letter to the school board in general, not just to Rhonda, but to the school board in general, and said, you know, I um, I am concerned about this. I am, you know, would like for to, to have my opinion stated, you know, as a pastor, I have seen where books, specifically books of faith, have been attempted to be banned, and, and, I'm, and I'm concerned, and I just would really like to say that the arts are important and it, it's really, you know, important that our, that our children have access to the things that they need to have access to. Right. And that it should be our role as parents to help inform what our children read or do not read. Right. Um, and a message was sent back to this pastor directly from Rhonda Thurmond. And it said this, have you heard of some of the books in question? If not, please listen to the school board meeting on this date at this time. She says, if you can listen to the trash and think any of these books would enrich your child's life, I'd like to know how. There's even a book that gives a tutorial on how to have oral sex by practicing on a tube of toothpaste. This book is in one of our K through eight schools. And as a minister, if these books are okay with you, all I have to say is God help us all. Mm. Now, if she thinks that these students don't know about oral sex without reading this book, she sorely under, underestimates the power of the internet. Yeah. I mean, there, there's nothing about. And TikTok. I mean, everything, right. There's nothing about the the access that these children have that would indicate that this one singular book and a two-sentence illustration of a girl wondering what oral sex might be like by right. practicing on a toothpaste is going to in any way influence a child's upbringing or their their desire to actually engage in consensual sex but we, we have got a situation on our hands that really can't be contained without a large majority of us mobilizing and 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 
putting our thoughts into this and, and really trying to fight back against what is unnecessary censorship and a, 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 an attack on the democracy of this country um, simply based on the, the laws that have been have that people are trying to enact over the country. Um, it, I think that we're not, um, so many of us are, are tied to our couches or our dinner tables or whatever news program we're watching. And we're not really clear on what's going on in these state legislatures. And I think that's by design. Sure. I mean, how many people know that since January of last year, more than 150 bills have been introduced in 39 states? There are only 11 states in this country that have not been influenced by a bill that is asking for the restriction of certain curriculum, all of which is based on race or gender. Right. 39 states. Right. And um, a lot of these bills are being passed at like midnight and one o'clock in the morning. So the system is working as it's designed to work. Correct. To keep those in power that is death bringing to the least of these. So I I don't want to um, pretend like we are um, problem solvers, but I do want us to think about collectively what really is going on and what is a potential solution because suppressing knowledge. I mean, it's how our history books are written, right? We already have children in history classes that are not learning the truest of truths about this country and other countries because of the way that history books have been whitewashed. Right. That is a conversation in and of itself. Now we have, now we have state legislatures trying to take, trying to remove the permission that we have always given children to do their own research and, and discover these things on their own. If they aren't being taught in class, we're, we're removing that capability from these kids. We're, we're squashing imagination. We're taking away the element of curiosity that we have always wanted to instill in children from the time that they are, you know, able to think and and create as infants up until the time when, you know, we deem them as adults and, and ask them to move critically as critically thinking humans into the world. I mean, this this aspect of curiosity and imagination is critical to their development, to their ability to be functioning humans in the world Mm -hmm. and we are we are it is one thing to limit the kind of curriculum that teachers can teach it is another thing to limit the imagination and curiosity of these children by taking away resources from their libraries in order for them to discover things on their own Mm -hmm. so i mean when this was happening um you know, 
five or six years ago um, in Arizona. Um, it was around suppressing the history of Native Indigenous Mexican Americans and the people of the Southwest. And I'm wondering if, is this the same thing that's happening? Because if it is, then were we as outraged then, five or six years ago, as we are now? And if we weren't, why not? And if we were, what is our strategy to ensure equity and justice when it comes to knowledge production? Right. I can tell you that I was not um, as outraged, um, mainly because it was a conversation that was uh, removed from me geographically. Mm -hmm. I, I knew what was going on. I was paying attention to it, but there was little engagement that, that I had um, on behalf of the people in, in Arizona. I can tell you that in Chattanooga, only because those are the statistics that I'm most familiar with at this moment, we have the list that has been generated um, by uh, school board member Thurman um, contains a number, uh, almost exclusively contains books that are either identified as um, black authored or black topic or queer authored or queer topic. Yeah. Um, I think of the number, I think, I think there are 48 books on the list and only three or four of them do not fall into one of those two categories. And so, so there is a method to the madness here, right? I mean, there's, there, they can't hide what it is that they are trying to do. Right. It is extremely clear who they are targeting, who they are attempting to silence and how they are attempting to do it. I wish I could say that I think that there are as many outraged humans in the country as, as you and I are today on this episode. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know, maybe exiting this, this uh, episode with some curiosity as to whether your state is one of those 39 states that has a bill in its legislature or passed a bill in its legislature in the, in the last 13 months around the the removal or restriction of curriculum or books might be something that should be on your agenda for for today um i i know that we cannot ask people to mobilize around the seriousness of this topic unless they have unless they either are the parents of children who are being directly affected um, or are watching it happen outside their, their own window. Um, Right. And 
it's, it's very hard. It's very hard to compel people to give a shit about something that they can't see happening um, to the people that immediately that, that are in, in their immediate community. Um, but this is going to be one of those things that does not, st- once it starts, it will not stop. Mm-hmm. And as we are silencing and removing books and authors from our libraries in school systems, um, it is just as, as possible that we are silencing and removing books from our public libraries, uh, that we are putting restrictions on the kinds of magazines or podcasts or newspaper articles that that are able to be you know reviewed and read by by certain ages i mean this kind of work does not stop until those that are invested in removing things feel as if they have done enough mm-hmm. and let me tell you what's next the resegregation of schools very likely yeah and 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 i'm not trying to be sensationalist about this but the path that we are on, suppressing knowledge, um, silencing authors, uh, blacklisting certain books, banning books, the next step is elite whites will say, well, we want our own schools where we teach our own history. And because our government is complicit in that narrative, because systems uphold other oppressive systems, the, the next thing that we might see in state legislatures are a resegregation of schools, which will disproportionately impact minoritized bodies. Right. I mean, there are this is this is being presented as a partisan effort. Um, that is, you know, working in parallel with other partisan efforts to try to minimize the rights of others, whether it's minority groups and their voting capacity, um, election integrity in certain gerrymandered districts. Um, there's a there is a politic, a, a parallel politic at at hand here. Um, mm-hmm. As you said, all of these systems are intertwined. All of these, um, the, the institutions and funders that are fueling the conversations around book and curriculum bans are the same institutions and funders that are fueling the conversations around election integrity, the conversations around, um, you know, not believing that gerrymandering and, and redlining is, is still happening. Right. Um, these organizers have have set up their toolkit in a way that is trying to mobilize suburban parents to, to you. I mean, this is, this is a, this is just the entry point. If, if we can use book banning and curriculum banning to get parents into this conversation, those parents are then more easily influenced in these other parallel partisan efforts. Mm-hmm. It's the gateway to, other um, conf- other illogical concerns that these institutions and funders will put on to to parents in the country, um, and it, it it will not stop unless we stop mm-hmm. it. 
And people don't realize that this is a liberal agenda. And when I say liberal, I'm referring to 19th century liberalism, out of which our current political system emerges. And liberalism is, um, is, is, it erects binaries. It erects um, things like right and left, but it's all part of the same project. And, and the reason why I say this is because over the past, well, since Trump was elected in 2016, the, we have been, as a society, domesticating polarization. We have been domesticating difference. And what I mean by that is, and, and, and those both are liberal agendas. What I mean is that we are making it commonplace to be a polarized society, not a cosmopolitanism, but a polarized society. And we are making it commonplace and homely to, to do things like diversity, equity, and inclusion work. When really, neither of those steward a lens of equity or justice. Neither of those are justice. Marriage equality, for example, is a liberal agenda. It just moves, it just includes certain people, but, but um, you have to fit a certain bill to get married, right? It's still classist, ableist, patriarchal, etc. This is all part of the liberal agenda. Now, I, I know that I am a complicated figure when it comes to politics and theology, and that's on purpose, because when we, when we say that we are doing one thing— politics, let's say, or theology, um, we often are not telling all sides of the story. We're mostly telling a contextualized story. I'm remembering some 20 years ago, the former president of Chicago Theological Seminary, Dr. Susan Thistlethwaite, wrote about the importance, of, and she was writing on white feminism, the importance for white feminists to deal with the racism embedded in theology. And I mention that because it is important for us to deal with the theology and politics that we've inherited and mine the discrepancies there that don't steward a logic of liberation. I am not invested in the liberal agenda. Um, I don't like voting uh, Republican or Democrat, because neither of those options work for me. But we've got to figure out how to move the system toward liberation. And so I just, I ask people who are listening to this, and some people are new to our podcast, and they reach out to us, and they they say that um, we make them think, well, I want you to think about the kind of world that you long to inhabit. And, and if we are living in the world that you long to inhabit, uh, great. But if we are not, and I, I contend that many of the people I talk to are working for a better future, how do we build that? Because it's not being built with our, within our current system. Who's funding the Ukrainian resistance, cryptocurrency is funding the Ukra- Ukrainian resistance. We are living in the future. 
So how do we fund the resistance that is needed in places like schools and other places that are banning books, churches, community centers, et cetera? Yeah, and let's and let's be really um, clear about what we are asking and what we aren't. Um, so many of the arguments that I'm hearing come out of those who are not in search of this kind of um, liberation politic are, you know, throwing around words like critical race theory and, um, you know, freedom of expression and, you know, uh, yeah. racism as it, as it relates to, you know, their perceived, their perceived um, reaction to racism against white folks. Right. Um, these are not the kinds of things that this book, these book bans are actually set to do. The, these might be where those conversations start, um, but those things are not those this, critical race theory is not happening in your school systems. Um, it is not happening in your K through 12 school systems. It, it is it is being discussed in in law programs right. and in some master's level conversations that are outside of the law that may be a part of theology or ethics or gender studies or um, race studies. But it is not something that is being discussed in, in your K through 12 school system, public or private. We have to be really clear about what we are talking about and what we aren't. And I think that if we are unable to identify what this liberal agenda, not mm -hmm. liberal as in conservative versus liberal, but the liberal agenda you just um, described, Robin, we have to be really clear about what what we're what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. and And these words and these terms do matter. And they are important because it if you are going to choose, to, to reach out and to have a, a critical conversation with one of your own school board members or with um, a news outlet or, or simply with a parent that you know who may be concerned about a book that they have now discovered is in the library of the school where their children are educated. These kinds of things matter. And I think we are all so quick to feel as if uh, to, to to binary censorship is bad versus censorship is needed or, um, you know, speaking about racism is bad or speaking about racism is needed and, and, and queer queerness and, and all of the things that, that are, that are being complained about. We have to be really clear about what it is we want and what it is we expect out of the systems that are right. guiding our children into the future of their learning. School boards do not have your best interest at heart. They never will. School board members are not representing your children. They, are they say they are representing the children in whatever district you are a part of. They are not. Um, they all are entering into this contract with you from an election standpoint, because they have an agenda themselves. Mm -hmm. Personal interest. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Every, every single politician that you know or love is like this. And we, and we, we interview politicians on this podcast. And as, as 
good and faithful as many of them may be towards an ethic of liberation, they still have their own personal mm-hmm. in- interests and their own and their own personal agenda. Mm-hmm. And so, what does that mean? What does that What does that mean for us? as we look at what our next steps are in this conversation. Um, right. And, and, you know, and this is a, this is a total aside, but I am curious as to why the Bible isn't showing up on any of these lists mm-hmm. as being a book that is. Cause it condones slavery and cond- condones lots of things that, people would say that's wrong absolutely i mean it is it is you know full of patriarchy and wives and concubines and unpunished sexual assault and the slaughtering of people right of entire cities in the name of god um i mean it's it is full of words that perpetuate bigotry Mm-hmm. And that perpetuate intolerance and that perpetuate the kind of classism and and misogyny that so many of us are up against. Yeah. Um, you know, we 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 have to know what we're talking about mm-hmm. and we have to know what it is that we're going into this conversation attempting to prove. Um, and for me, it really does result. It, it really comes down to my desire for the imagination and the curiosity of children to still have the capacity to flourish and for them to be able to use that curiosity and that imagination by by accessing the kinds of literary gems that so many of these, of these counties are, are trying to stifle. I want to share a quote that I posted on Instagram and Twitter earlier today that gets at some of this, but from a different angle. Nadim uh, Aslam says, pull a thread here and you'll find it's attached to the rest of the world. These book bans are not isolated events. These book bans are connected precisely to the invasion of Ukraine, etc., Yes. And if we think that this is just something that's happening in the South or in various places, it's not. You pull the thread, it's just like peeling an onion. There's more there. And so I want to invite people into curiosity and imagination to begin to pull the threads. Pull the threads here and there. See where they're connected. Because I guarantee you you will find the the dots are the the news media the politicians they are not connecting the dots for us but we want to help connect the dots pull a thread here you'll find that it's connected elsewhere thanks for that dr robin friends we have enjoyed having this conversation with you today it's important i think that you you know, do your own research and figure out what's going on in your own neighborhoods and in your own school systems, whether you have children or not. Um, 
I have a couple of things I want to make you aware of. Um, we're very excited that Dr. Robin's next book, Body Becoming, is yes. um, being uh, – it is only a, about a month away. Uh, you can still pre-order it. Some people are getting their books already. <gasps> people are people are posting on Twitter that their book arrived. I don't even have my author copy. Oh, that's so funny. Well, you know, there you go. Systems. Um, <laughs> Jeff Bezos. Right. Um, Dr. Robin and Activist Theology are hosting a book launch experience. Um, our Ken Joe Lumen is coming in from California. There will be readings of Dr. Robin's book. Um, it will be an experience around bodies and embodiment. Um, we encourage you to check out Dr. Robin's um, feeds to find links to purchase in-person tickets to the event in Nashville on April 2nd or tickets to the online streamed event, um, which you can then watch on April 2nd as it's happening. All of the tickets have an option for you to get a book with your ticket. And we would love for you to be a part of this experience and, and to engage with this um, book with us and alongside us as we celebrate um, Robin, the publishing of this book. Um, we also want to remind you that you can engage with us on the Activist Theology app. Just go to atporch.com and you can join the app there. And hopefully you're following us and you're letting us know what it is that you want to hear from this podcast and how we can allow you to help connect more dots and pull more threads um, in the search of liberation. You know, I think maybe we should have James Tallarico back on because, you know, a lot's happening in Texas Sounds around like, trans yeah, kids and <sighs> gender affirming uh, surgery. So we should reach episode. out to him. We should. Yeah. We should. And then someone wants us to talk about the Bible. I feel like we talk about the Bible a lot, but they specifically want, how do we, like, what's our hermeneutic? Ah, okay. Well, there you so go. We can add that to our list. There you go. Our growing exactly. list. Exactly. Well, thanks for being with us this week, friends. We appreciate you and we will see you next week. We want to thank you for listening this week. We encourage you to share this podcast with your community. If you enjoy us and our work in the world, please give us five stars on your podcast platform. Want to help support this podcast? Go to activisttheology.com and click on podcast. We can only do this work with the help of you, our listeners. You have no idea how much even a small monthly or one-time gift means to this work. The music you hear in this episode is Hands Dirty by Delta Ray. Our sound editor is Dan Medley from 10 South Sounds. I get my hands dirty. I show up so early. They show me no mercy. So I just keep working. Maybe God could save me. Or my boss might pay me. You are listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends.